0: Rise to your feet, even as we receive our father, the president of the Apostolic Church, Ghana, Apostle Dr. Aaron Aminah.
1: Hallelujah. Please, let's take our seats. Praise the Lord. I thank God for the gift of life and for what he's doing in our midst and for the interactive nature of what we've been doing here as senior campus. Um, The way we are interacting makes it clear that we we are learning. We are moving from where we used to be, we are going somewhere else, praise God. If we're asking that the church must shift, it's not the buildings that will shift, it's not the name that will shift, it must be the people, praise God. And until the people shift, nothing has shifted. Because the church is not the building, the church is the people. So I thank God for what he's doing, and I thank God for the presence of our vice president and the the general secretary. looks like this camp meeting, we are enjoying the presence of a lot of apostles. I thought you were going to put your hands together (laughs) unto the Lord. (laughs) What we were told before, we were even made pastors Was that when an apostle visits you, whether he speaks or not, you are blessed. So he can just come to your church and not speak and go. But you are blessed. Praise God. So tell your neighbors team had you, you are blessed. I want to thank the, the leaders of this group for working tirelessly to get this camp meeting well organized. In the midst of some very, very difficult challenges. We thank God that they've braved through it all. And camping is going on as usual. Depending on where you sit, this topic might be pleasant or uncomfortable. Because we are going to talk about money. Uh, But fortunately, it's not money I'm going to take from you. It's money I'm going to give to you. So smile. And when you are taking money from people, then it becomes a problem. But um, I believe that wealth belongs to the children of God. And that's not what I've been asked to talk about. Anyway, I've been asked to talk about fundraising. Effective fundraising for development. But before you can get money from people, the people must have it before they can do what give it. So, our topic is effective fundraising for development. Effective fundraising for development. But I want to place on record that church is church and God must have the first place. One evil thing going on in our generation is that um, it looks as if Ministers are more after money okay, than souls. They are after money. More than the manifestation of the spirit. And it's evil. When we come to church, church is about God. Praise God. So when we go to church and we aren't focused on God, when we go to church and we don't feel the presence of God. When we go to church and we don't hear from God, the question is, where did we go to? So as leaders, we must create that atmosphere in church to make it clear that God has the first place. If we can't give God the first place in church, then where can we give it to him? where we have placed his name, we don't give him the first place. Then where else can we give him the first place? So please, church is about God. No matter what you're doing, so long as you call it a church, it is about God. It's about the will of God. It's about the works of God. It's about the power of God. And it's about the glory of God, not the glory of men. Church, It's about God. I wish I could write this on everyone's chest. Church is about God. When some people are made leaders, they begin to think that the church is about them. It's not about you. Church is about God. They spend a lot of time dressing to appear nice before the church than they spend praying for the Spirit of God. To work, Church is about God. It's not about you. After saying that God must have the first place, let me also say that money is important, but souls are far more important. These days, we don't celebrate the salvation stories of people. It looks like we've gotten used to seeing people getting saved. If we go to church and someone comes in and drops 10,000 US dollars in the offering bowl, we will clap and clap and clap and shout. But if one person gets saved that day, I mean, no one is moved. We have our hearts in the wrong places. Are you here with me? We we are failing to realize what salvation means. We are failing to know the real value of a soul. Church business is the business of souls, not the business of money. But we find ourselves in a church where at the end of the year, when we have the state of the church address, or the booklet. We see rankings based on how much tithe the areas pay. You don't see rankings on how many souls were brought. Is this church? I'm asking a question. Are you here with me? Our hearts are in the wrong places. So we have the leading areas. They lead based on the money they bring, never the souls they bring. So, we really need a shift. We must shift our hearts from the wrong direction to the right direction. Souls. Far more important than money. Let's celebrate salvation stories. Let's celebrate what God is doing in lives. Yes, we have to celebrate our financial progress too. But we should know the order. God comes first. Souls come next. Before we talk about resources. And the resources, we have human resource even before we have financial resource. I hope I'm not messing up someone's theology. Because I believe these, these things are quite straightforward. So since I've spoken about God and I've spoken about souls, I can talk about money freely now. Do I have your permission to do that? Because I have defined it. That the first should be God. And the second should be the souls. Then we can talk about resources. And money is one of the important resources that we have. So let me say next that financial limitation can be a great bondage. You can have all the anointing. But if you don't have financial liberty, your anointing will be circulating in your area. You don't travel anywhere. Are you here with me? Finance can give you rich. Finance can give a spread of your influence. I remember... When we were young, we had some evangelists who were very powerful. They were performing miracles. But because of apostolic poverty, their anointing was just hovering in the thermal area. So, one of our people who traveled to the U.S. and came back and saw what the man was doing. was saying, no, no, this man... What he's doing is at the level of the great evangelists we had in those days. I don't want to, don't want to mention the names. International evangelists. But he realized that because of poverty, this man's anointing is hovering at community 1, community 8, community 11. And that's where the anointing was. Finance is an important wheel for ministry. So, without it, you don't have ties under your car. You can't go far. So, money is important. And if you don't have the resources to do what God says you should do, then you are in bondage. I'll say that again. If you don't have the resources, to do what God wants you to do, then you are in bondage. But it's financial bondage. But it's equally a bondage. You have restriction. You don't have liberty to exercise your potential. It's a bondage. So I like talking about financial liberty. Where you have what it takes to do what God wants you to do. That's it. And I don't want to go into that because that would take all my time. The first time this issue came up that money answered all things. We said no, money cannot save Who told you so? Money can save. Some people come to your church. They are very poor. Some of them belong to other religions. And when they come to Christianity, they are rejected by their families. But they come to your church And you give them gospel. But after gospel. Though man shall not live by bread alone. Bread is important. I like the place when Jesus Christ had woken up that little girl. He said, give her some food. So after you've prayed. And exercised the anointing. There is something called flesh which needs food, which needs clothing, which needs some shelter. And because you can't provide those things, some people come to you and they go back. If you had some resources to show love in a practical way and not just mouth-mouth love, they would have stayed. If we had money, we would have church buildings in certain places that we don't have buildings in and once you build, people will come. So I'm asking you, who told you money can't save? Without money, you can't send people to places where the gospel has not yet reached. It takes money to send them there. Are you here with me? So money is very fluid. It flows. And it's important. So when I was growing up, because I was born an apostolic, I didn't like a lot of money. I wanted small. Yeah, because those days, what we believed was that if you were rich, you were carnal. And you were likely to go to hell. But now I've realized that no. Poverty can take you to hell faster than riches. No, it's not true. So, now, I've driven away poverty from my life. Initially, I embraced it. But now, I've driven it away. Praise God. But, I also believe that wealth should exist in a certain environment. Let me just say this so that I don't spend too much time on it. Your level of prosperity, wealth-wise, must correspond to the level of your anointing. Otherwise, your wealth will be a problem to you. So, when we are not spiritually sound and we are poor, it's not good, but I, I like it. Because if we were rich, we would have done the wrong things. Do you understand me here? I'm not asking you to agree. I just say, do you understand? Because that, that, that is a choice. Let me say it again. I don't like the situation where churches are prospering financially far above their spirituality because they'll use the money in doing the wrong things. But I also don't like the situation where they have the high spirituality to do the great things but they don't have the money to make it possible. Both situations are evil. So, you see the Laodicean church saying, No, we are rich. We have it all. We don't need anything. But spiritually, they were down there. They had wealth, but they had lost their spiritual level. So, let me ask you now what's our spiritual level and what's our financial level? Which one is higher? Or are we. At a balance. That one, I leave it to you. Praise God. So tell your neighbor, money is important. Tell your neighbor, I refuse to be poor. So tell him or her, you too, don't be poor. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The wealth of the nations must come to the righteous. Some are not ready to receive it. I said the wealth of the nations or the wealth of the wicked must be placed in the hands of the righteous so that they will use it to glorify God. God placed these resources here. For what? For the enemy to use it. For his children to glorify him with it. So sometimes when you see worldly people blowing money, your heart should cry. Our Lord, Bring it to me. And I'll glorify you. Praise God. Hey, if someone tells you money is not good, or what? when you don't have some, then you have to appease yourself and say, Oh, it's not good. It's not good. Okay. But, nyebida shay. May God be your helper. Hallelujah. Our focus this evening is how to raise money effectively. Let me say raising money effectively for me is raising money in a way that does not offend God. Raising money in a way that does not break biblical principles. Raising money in a way that does not raise money above God. Raising money in such a way that both the rich and the not so rich feel comfortable. Let church still be church. One of the things I hated was when you got to appeal for funds, then they brought the presbytery down. And went for supporters, including worldly people. And sometimes people whose religions were contrary to ours. But because they had money, they put them on stage. And then it's like we are begging them and they give us money. How can you go and tell this same person, my God is bigger than your God? When it is his God that gives your God. I couldn't stand those situations. I hate being a beggar. Because my God is almighty. And I must live in such a way that glorifies him. Praise God. I hate it when churches beg for money. It doesn't get into my system. No, I'm not saying stop what you do necessarily because we have different levels of faith. Even when I was leading a church and we had nothing, I, I, I could never come to a point of asking people outside the church for money. I have never sent envelopes anywhere for money. My faith was different. God will give it to us. Praise God. So I, I don't believe in begging. I remember one time, one of mine ministry friends outside told me that oh they have a fund and that fund they use it to help churches so churches in developing nations and other places so I should write to their leadership or presbytery and they'll bring us money I didn't maybe you can choose to call it pride but I did it I have difficulty begging for money. No. I believe God will give it to us. Only those in front believe. I said I believe God will give it to us. To glorify his name. Praise God. So, when we are raising money effectively, we should not offend the Holy Spirit in the process. We should not offend the Holy Spirit in the process. We should not be selling the grace of God. We should not be robbing the children of God. That's why it's, 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 I, I don't hear that thing again in church when we are doing appeal for fans and they say, what for a hundred Ghana brah. What kind of statement is that? And what kind of God does that? So the woman who does not have 100 Ghana and has 10 Ghana How do we sell grace at levels? It is true. The one who gives more will have more blessings. Teach that one. Praise God. So in talking about how to raise funds effectively, I want to talk about factors that depends on you, the fundraiser, factors that depend on the people, and factors that will have to do with the process or the procedure. And then we will go. So the U factors. The U factors, the first thing I want to talk about is Trust. When you stand in front of people to raise funds, and they can't trust you, case okay, closed. Do you understand me? They can't trust you. Case is closed. I understand some pastors. then they do appeal for funds, ten percent is theirs. They've become mercysedek. Like, they take it. Yeah, I more. So, are you raising the money for the church or for yourself? And and what integrity do you have in there when you tell me that you are raising this for God when 10% is yours? Even the whole almighty, you are competing with him. You are also taking tight just as he takes it. You are referencing funds, and, and the people know that you are not sincere with the church's finances. They can't trust you with the money. The little offering they bring, you make sure your allowances, your monthly allowances take away everything. When you are calling for money, they can't trust you. You've never accounted to the church. Concerning the money they bring, how can they trust you? The last time you said they were going to build this, they brought the money, they didn't see anything. You've come again, dressed in a different suit, by the same body. When people can't trust you, they won't give. So one of the major issues we have is trust. So you have to make sure you are trustworthy. Trustworthy. Accountability is is important. The last funds you raised, what did you do with it? Were you faithful? Tell them what you used it for. Then, when you are asking for more, they can trust you. Be an example. A lot of ministers take it that the pastor's salary is low. So they ask you to give, but they don't give. Oh. If you are not a giver, you cannot transfer the spirit of giving. Hello. You must be a giver yourself. So that when you're asking people to give, because you give yourself, your spirit will help them. There's that kind of transfer. The spirit of God working in you can touch them. Otherwise, you're just speaking words. So learn to be a giver yourself if you're a church leader. Then you can ask people to give. And I have problems with church leaders who don't give. So when I want someone to perform or to raise funds, I'm not looking for the one nest in rank. I'm looking for the one who gives. Because it's a transfer of spirit. To tell your neighbor, give. Let me talk about some people factors. First one is: uh, Have have you taught your people? Uh, are they passionate about God? Okay, is is God in the center of their lives? Are they seeking for the Church of God to prosper? Are they passionate about the work of God? If they are not passionate about God and his work, they don't have the motivation to give. The only motivation they will have will be the lottery motivation. Give and it shall be given unto you. Press down. Shake it. No. There must be people passionate about the work of God. To the level that their highest motivation is to see the work prosper. Not necessarily what will come to them. Though God will bless them. That should not be the primary aim. You should teach your people to cross that bridge. Where they can give their all to God. So teaching is very important. Are they passionate about God? The next one, do they have what you are asking for? When some people are raising funds, they don't care whether you have it or you don't have it, bring it. Some people will say, give dangerous offering. I remember one guy came to me some years ago. He went to a charismatic church and they asked him to give a dangerous offering. And they took his two new Mercedes-Benz cars from him. Yeah. He gave two new Mercedes-Benz cars and gave some chunk of money as well. Then after some time, his eyes opened. And he said, no, I want my cars back. I want my money back. And he came to me because the one I knew, the one who took him there, okay, is someone I could talk to. So he came to me to report that this person took me there. Talk to that person. I need my cars back. And one of the cars was already in Nigeria because the man who did the appeal for funds was a pastor from Nigeria. And he took one. No, but if if you raise funds, they with two mercedes who who takes one?? <laughs> See, you should care whether they have what you're asking for. That is why. In my rounds on this shift agenda, I've been talking to presbyteries that please have time to sit down to think about the welfare of your members. What work do they do? How, I mean, how is the work going on? Are they prospering? Do they need some help? Visit them, pray for them. Are they at workplaces? Know what they are going through. Sometimes you have the contacts that can solve their problems but you don't care how they fare. All you care is if they don't get, how can they give? We've become experts. We go for presbytery meeting. One week revival. One week revival. Then the whole revival is an appeal for funds. Say, when we want money, our solution is a revival. That's what we've turned the church into. Let's pray for our members to get the money. Let's make sure they are prospering. Discuss their issues with them. Organize some seminars that can help them. Encourage those in good jobs to try and make sure that the jobless in the church get jobs to do. And they there's a big question mark. Nowadays, some of our people, when you look for jobs for them, they disgrace you big time. I have a particular friend who owns a company. I've sent people there for employment. As I stand here now, I cannot send anyone again. One of the pe- people who went there duped him big time, forged his signature on checks in I'm talking about member. So now, if you come to me that you you need a job, I I have to take you elsewhere. I can't take you to this friend anymore. So I'm waiting for some years to pass for that memory to be washed before I can renew the visa at that place. What made it worse? After all this I visited him in the house and then the wife was talking to me about a male member of the church who seems to be deceiving ladies. Same church. Apart from someone being a thief someone from your church is also a womanizer. Please make it easy. Make it easy for your leaders to be able to speak for you and open doors for you. Some members are lazy. You open doors for them, they will disgrace you. I believe you you are leaders so you are not part of that group. The way some people are saying, hmm, So please, let's have prayer times, programs to help our members make it. Is that okay? Where we have the connections, let's put it at their disposal. And may God help us that they don't go to disgrace us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Make sure what we are asking for, they have it. It's, it's always good to have a fair idea about what comes to your members in a month. Okay? That one, push your members to pay tithe faithfully. Teach them to pay faithfully. That means you yourself set an example. And if you have elders in your presbytery and you have evidence they are not paying tithe, drop them. Everyone will understand that yes, we must pay tithe. But some elders are not paying and no one says anything. And you want the members to pay? No. Teach them to pay tithe faithfully. When they are paying tithe faithfully, it gives you a fair idea if, if, if you are getting maybe 10,000 tithes every month, you know that plus or minus about 100,000 is coming to your people in a month. So if you come and stand and you want to raise funds in a, in a particular month, and you are asking for 300,000 Ghana cities, you are unreasonable. Are you here with me? So sometimes... Turn your head around. Know what is reasonable within a certain period. And don't try to ask for what does not exist. They must have before they can bring it. Are they experiencing giving fatigue? See, some places they've done appeal, 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 appeal. The people are tired. Have They are tired. And you know some people don't come to church because of appeal for funds. They stay home. They stay home. They won't come. Because they know when we come every Sunday, we have to go around four times and the person has only one. And he or she can't stand being bypassed three times. It's a disgrace. So they'll stay home. And you think God won't punish you? Because of the way you are running his church, people can't come to church. Hmm. Okay, so let's talk about some procedural factors then. I'm hoping we'll get some time for contributions and questions so we interact on this. By way of procedure, the first thing I've stated is that the purpose must be clear. When you are raising funds and you don't tell me what you are going to do with the money, I'm not motivated. What, do you, what, what, what are you going to use it for? You must tell us. The so when you are raising funds it should be clear, we need money to do this. We need money to run this. So give us the purpose. It should be clear. And then two, what amount do we need to do what you're saying we should do? So the purpose must be clear. The amount must be clear. Then it is your duty to raise our faith to the level that we can give that amount. And don't use coercion. No. No. Raise our faith. Use the word of God. No. One thing you have to do, you have to pray and pray and pray for God to drop a word. The, the word gives the approach. There are many ways to get into the pocket of a person, but not all the ways will work all the time. So you must pray and pray for God to drop a word. That this is what I want you to tell my people. And that word should speak to you. If the word is not speaking to you, it's not going to speak to the people. When God gives you a word, then you have the key. Then you pray for the people that the word of God will have an impact on them. You and I know that one of the difficult things for men to do is to give you money. It's not easy. That's why some men can be telling a woman, I love you, I love you, I love you, but shame Then she begins to doubt your love. Say, do you truly love me? We say we love God, we love God, we love God, but the money is not coming. the word. So, when you are asked to come and raise funds, most important thing, you are preparing by way of prayer and word. Then you come and you raise the faith of the people, then you brought them to a level where you can ask them to give. And sometimes it's good to do some analysis. Our superintendent did it I think last last night. When he was saying that no camp meeting, when we come, we have financial issues. And this year the gap is high. It's like our registration is just half of what we need to break even. Okay? So it means that if your registration was one thirty Ghana cities. And we need another one, 130 Ghana kind of cities from you before we can say that we are ending come meeting without any debt. And that speaks to you. You want to give back. How much? What's the gap? And then he made us aware that the children cannot give that gap. So as adults, you must bridge your personal gap and bridge the gap of those who cannot give because they don't earn. You have to do some analysis for people to understand why they should give a particular percentage. Are you here with me? In the church, it's not everyone who is working, it's not everyone who is earning money, okay? And it's not everyone who has what it takes. But those who have should carry the responsibility. So you should find a way of doing some analysis that transfers the load to where the strength is. And ask them to give according to the level that God has prospered them. Some people, their gift is to give money for ministry. Full stop. Hello. I say so, and, and no one is aspiring for that one. Everyone is aspiring for apostleship. Some people are Financial backbones, they are major donors for the church. I want to be one. So, sometimes it's good to do some analysis that, no, we have 200 people in this church. And we have just about 100 workers. And we need 100,000. So, if everyone could give me, how much? 1,000. We should make it. But not everyone can do that. But some have been blessed by God and they can give ten. Others can give five. Someone can give two. Anyone giving less than a thousand means someone else is making up yours for you. So pray that someone should make it up. You are gingering the minds of people. Bringing them up to a point. To know that if we must do this, then we must give this. Sorry, when I said about purpose, that you must give the purpose for what the money is going to be used for. Make sure that people like the purpose. Hello? Make sure they like the purpose. If they don't like you as their minister and you are raising funds to build a mission house so that you live in it, they won't give. Because they want you to be transferred. Be Be wise. If they don't like the purpose, their way of protest is to make sure they don't give. So don't give yourself that hard time. Make sure the purpose for which the funds is being raised is something that is appealing to the people. Then they will give for it. Times and seasons. The time you are, you're using to raise the funds is, is important. All times are not equal. You want some huge inflow of funds. And you are raising the funds in the middle of the month. It's as if you walk with your head and not with your feet. We all know that in the middle of the month, few people are still flying high. Many people at that level is either hand to mouth or some hand to chest. It's a wrong time to come to people talking about things. So know the season. And where you are, you know that no, this place is a place of farmers. It's in the harvest season that they get this and do this. That should be your major period. But you prepare their hearts Because some people, before the harvest come, they have planned. They've done all that. So make sure you put in your application early so that they include you in the priority list. And if the money you're looking for, you know cannot be raised in a month, then you have to give a range. You have to give a period that they can raise it. That's why I'm saying be reasonable whether... They have what you are asking for or not. Disclosure or non-disclosure. Some people don't want anyone to know how much they are given. And you must respect that. Others want the world to know and it encourages them. So you must find a balance between the two. Those who want to n- people to know, you can let people know. And those who don't want people to know, make sure people don't get to know. And as you teach your people, more of them will, gra- will, will move from wanting people to know into the group of not wanting people to know. That it comes out of teachings. Some people, as soon as they realize it will be announced, they bring the value down. Some people, as soon as they they realize it will be announced, they push the value up. So use the two so that you don't lose. Mass effect or major donors. This is where I have a problem when we go for conventions. What I mean by mass effect or major donors is that when you are doing an appeal, your focus should be clear. You can go to a church, and when you are making an appeal, you are focusing on just three people in that church. It means you are using the major donor approach say Asa. But when we come to conventions and you are using a major donor approach, it gets me sick in my seat. Major donor approach is when you are asking. Who can give me 10,000? Who can give me 5,000? You are maturing on those who can give you huge sums. At the time you are asking for the big ones. The ordinary people feel that, oh, they are not important. And it's taking long. Some of them get up and they start leaving. But when you have many people, you are better off using the mass approach. So you go to a convention and you have 6,000 people and you are raising funds and if everyone gives you 20 Ghana, how much do you have? I'm saying that you have 6,000 people if everyone gives you 20 Ghana, how much do you have? Why 20? But you skip it and be shouting Hinanabamame 10,000, 5,000 2,000. By the time you get to their level they are discouraged. Because they are realizing that your focus is the big elephants. They, they don't matter. They will give you one Ghana for your pocket. Finish. By the time you go and count, you are nowhere. Are you here with me? When you have many people, go first for the mass effect, then you can come to major donors. You won't lose. But the principle is the same don't waste time. So you must think about what is my main approach? Am I going for mass effect or major donors? Then there is this appeal that I have tried and it works. I've stated it here as the Nicodemus target appeal. Sometimes you need money and it's not the right time to raise funds in the church. You can target some people who have the resources. And you believe they have a heart for God. You can go to them individually. That we need to do this. And um, the church has already given for this. And talk to just some individuals. And if they trust you, they give you the money to do it. Do you understand this? Without coming to stand. You see, when you're always doing appeal, appeal, appeal in front. People get tired. And sometimes just three people can give you the money you are looking for so that you don't worry the rest of the church. Hello? So that's one approach that I've used certain times and it worked. There's the one, there's the open one-step target appeal also. It's like you want to buy a particular thing, like we need an air condition in this room. The air condition is just, let's say, 10,000 Ghana this. And you must get it that day. You can go straight ahead. And that one, it's open. That you want to raise that amount, you, you get up. And the first thing you should do is to mention how much you, you are giving. And the amount you are giving should be an encouragement. It should not be a discouragement. Do you understand me? So if you need 10,000 and you get up and you say you are giving two, it's left with how? Eight. So eight people get up, they give one, one, one. Stop. Integrity is important. When you get to the amount you want, stop. Stop. Yes. You see, when you are raising funds, don't behave like a poor man. Hmm? If someone smartly dressed comes to you and says, oh, please, um, I need some help. I was coming and I, I didn't check my gauge in the car. It wasn't working well, so I just got here and well, it's short and I need something. If you look at his dressing, that alone influences how much you give to him, how you see his personality, how he's talking to you. If another person comes in touched clothes and talks to you, you give him two Ghana. The first man who came, you might give me hundred Ghana. Are you here with me? So when you are going to raise funds, don't behave like a poor person, even when you are poor. Dress well, speak well. That's what I'm saying. When you get to the amount, stop. They'll respect you. Next time you come, they'll know this man. They'll give it to you. But It's a poverty mentality. So please, heal that one. Let me stop here. I've written that I'll talk about the Nehemiah project, but let's take your contributions and questions, Then I'll hit that as the last thing. Then, um, so with this one, I think let's take the questions one-on-one so that when it gets to where I have to cut it, I just cut it, and then talk about the Nehemiah project that we ended.
2: Thank you, Apostle. I wanted to find out how should... Elders deal with this situation. Program comes on, a local is given a target. Then the local is unable to meet it. Mark against the wall, you are owing. Another one comes on. So by the end of the year, the local is owing so much because he couldn't meet a target which he was supposed to raise funds to whether the district or area or whatever. How should we deal with this situation?
1: Yeah, I, I think that we've st- we 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 are talking to the leaders and pastors and elders and all that. That from next year, those things must cease. Okay, don't put burdens on locals that they cannot carry. If you're asking us to do a program and bring money, we'll do the program. We'll do our best to organize it well. Whatever we get when we bring it, take it. Because if you take it and you say we are owing, where should we go and get the extra money from to bring it to you? Should we go and organize another program or what? So we are asking that we shift from that system. If you ask us to do it, if even you want us to bring all the hundred percent, we can bring it to you. But to ask us to bring more than we got is unrighteous. Let the church be free, okay, to do church. So we want you are own, you are own to stop. But some of you, too, when they don't give you big targets, you don't do it well. You see? Hey, that's why the pastors want to, because some people are lazy. They will organize the program well. But now, if you are lazy, we'll shift you. So don't be lazy, work and work hard. So I believe that thing will be a thing of the past. Yeah, we, we will be seeing to that there will be some high level of monitoring to make sure
0: that we don't abuse the system. Okay. Um, Apostle, uh, I think some of us are very blessed with this seminaries. Um A question that I want to put forth is um, you made mention that if we want people to give war, then what we have to do is organize seminars and other things for them. Um, the church, the local church, mostly they don't like seminars. but when you mention prayer, you see the whole room being full, but when you say seminar, you go there and you are sad uh, because they will not come for seminars. They want uh, prayers and other things. So I don't know if it is the members that is making leaders organize prayer program for fundraising or I don't know how 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 we are going to do that because seminars they don't come. Yes, seminars they don't. No,
1: come. Um, it's true. Seminars are for people who who want to reason, who want to think. Okay, um, our level of membership we are not like other churches filled with intellectuals. So our level of membership they might not like seminars, but they will enjoy inspirational preaching. Yeah, so go for that one. Okay, go for that one. And if what they love is prayer, you bring them. You intersperse your prayer. There's, there are some prayer topics. There are mini-preachings. Don't be wise. Find, there's always a way. There's always a way. So know the congregation you have. And know how to feed them with the same food they are refusing to eat. And they will eat it with joy without knowing that this is the same food we rejected. May God give you wisdom. Seminars can be boring for people who are not, who don't have that high intellectual capacity. And some of us, too, when you come and stand there, then you mention the word and you say that in the Greek, in what? How? Know the
2: kind
1: of congregation you have and, 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 and how to handle them. Yes. Okay, when you finish, there's a hand way back there.
2: I'm Jonathan Ahulu. Uh, Please, I want to ask, uh, in a various setting, whereby elders are not paying tithes, they don't contribute also with their finances to support church activities. How do I handle them in my locals or district when they are not contributing faithfully?
1: If there is evidence that any officer is not paying tithe faithfully, the person should be dropped from leadership at once. Tithing is part of the things we most surely believe. If you don't believe one of the tenets, you cannot be an apostolic. Okay? And what shows that you believe in it is not saying I believe, but practicing it. So if you're a leader and you are not paying tithe faithfully, who should pay tithe for you to come and be a leader over? You have to drop. That is simple. When we start doing it, they will stop. It is wrong. Not to be doing what you are asking others to do. It's wrong. You are rising against the principles and practices of the church. You can't be a leader. And check your pastors too, whether they are paying tithe faithfully. Some don't. No, a lady reported pastor to me the pastor was paying tight faithfully on the salary that came from national and then all the allowances coming from the area and districts were dodged you no know, you have to pay what you are asking your members to pay some people were telling me that we should deduct pastor's tithe from their salaries i said no they should go through the same temptation members go through. Get the money. It's not enough. Go through the pain of taking it and paying. So that when you are asking them to pay, you know what they go through. If we deduct it from source, you don't get any feeling. No. They must also receive it and go through the pain. So that when they are preaching, they preach out of that sensation. So if an officer we have evidence han we know you got this money, yet what you brought was this amount. We should call the person and question how come and if it's true,
3: you drop the person. I would like to thank you for the teaching because um, my there's an assembly there's an assembly in my district who um, is a living testimony to what you said last year, they went or they did the approach, they took the approach where they would target the members, oh, give me this, give me that. But this year they adopted the mass approach where they had double of what they had last year. So it just happened um, some few weeks ago. So I believe that is um, a very good approach. My question here is that as a presiding elder and as um, a pastor or an apostle can you um, you, let's say, look at the financial situation of your members to, let's say, embark on an activity that will help them in the aspect of, let's say, you are a pastor that has been transferred to the village where you know that the the the, the community where you are, they have this financial challenge. So can you embark on, let's say, farming or engage in any activity or something like an, an um, adventure where or a project where the members will be employed to partake in that project. And then that whole venture or project brings money to the church. Is it allowed as a pastor, presiding elder, or an apostle?
1: It is very, very important. There are some places, if we don't bring these things there, the church cannot be the kind of church it should be. You go to a place and poverty is everywhere. Yet, there are things that could be done to raise money and offer employment to your members. We went run, we, we went to the Afram place. That's one of the projects we are starting early next year. If we don't open up the place to offer employment and something that generates funds, no things wouldn't go right there. So there are some places you need things like this. But you see? When you are entering into a business venture, it is business. Hmm? But some people will take in apostolic into business. Are you here? Wait with me. Do business well. Get the right people to work. If they are lazy, they are members, but fire them. Do you understand me? Hey, the way you are looking at me, Because some people will be members, and then what? Mejuma? You a prayer meeting. What? You a convention. You've convention. If you've been employed, work. So don't let them mix the church with the work. When they are employed, they are employees. Let them work.
2: I'm asking this question based on. A statement made by two senior elders in my place, and what they said is that for them, if they are going to church with their tithe on them, and somebody is in need of money critically, they will give the tithe to them. It's also part of giving in apostolic setting. Is it good to do that? I want clarification. Thank you.
1: This one, it is clear. No if we all decide that we we'll use our tithes for adoye
0: <laughs>
1: please the tithe does not end all your giving the tithe is the one that you must bring compulsory to the storehouse and out of the 90% that is left you can bless people That's why it is one-tenth and not 50%. You should have the freedom to do other things. So, it is wrong. And you said they are elders. Please, when you finish, give us their names and phone numbers. Thank you. No, we will call them first. To educate them. That they should shift or they will be shifted.
2: Thank you, Apostle. I'm Isaac Amwa. I'm Please, certain things eat into our monies after the appeals have been raised. And I want to appeal to you to see whether you can help. Recently, we did our appeal. We wanted to put up a church building. And we needed to go for a building plan. When we went, the architect charged us. I mean, the lowest was about thirty-five, three 3,500. And when I brought it to my president, he said, ah, This can buy 100 bags of cement. So I want to appeal to you personally. I learned you are grading the churches into A, B, and C. The national, we have architects among us. The national can hire some and pay them and develop about five building plans fit for different locals so that if any local wants to put up a church building, we can come there fully paid by the national. So that we have the site, at least the building plan free, so that we can go for our building permit. So I want to appeal to the national to take up this and help us. At least you have contributed to our church building.
1: Okay, that that thing is already being done. Um, The architects are going to have different plans based on the environment and the numerical strength of the churches. But when they do that and you come and you like it, you can take it free and go and build that one. But if you want any modifications, that will be at your cost. Do you understand that? Let me say it again. The architects are going to draw different plans for different capacities of church buildings and places. So if you come and you look through and you want a 1,000 capacity church building, and you look at the ones there, and you like pa- one particular one, just as it is, you take it free and go. But if you think that, oh, for our place, we want you to change here and change there. The change comes at a cost that you must pay, because national has finished paying what they have paid. So that's the only
0: difference that might come in there. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, Apostle, there's one thing that I... I think it's weakening the locals in terms of finances. Last time I did analysis, in some of the months, you have remittances to national or your area or district, maybe national Sunday school week bring this money. Your area too may be asking for, and in some of the cases, you are giving an instruction that you cannot have offering because you have to pay a certain quota to the area. In that case, the offering that you take for the day, they will even send somebody to come and count with you and take it away. So the local doesn't have money to even uh, take care of administrative costs. So I I was trying to suggest, or I want to suggest, is it possible that um, locals are asked to pay 5% 5% more than we pay to national so that national can distribute uh, this extra amount to maybe Sunday school fund, witness fund, and so on, so that the locals can, can grow. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I, I, I understand your idea. I think it's a good thing. We need to take a look at it. But already, there is this plan on board to reduce the number of appeals and weeks that we celebrate. Um, very soon is going to come out, that each movement will celebrate only one week in a year. Okay? So they won't have national week, area week, district week, local week. (laughs) And each of these is about money. No. So in the whole year, women's movement will have only one week. Men's movement only one week. Witchness only one week. Aposa only one week. Sunday school only one week. Finished. And we are going to show you what you do with what is raised in the one week across board. So it will come out for you. Locals must have air to breathe so that they can grow. That's what we're doing. But today week, tomorrow week. And every when they say week is money. So anytime you go to church, it's like they are not interested in your spiritual growth. They are interested in your money. That's all. And it makes church something else. We must move away from that. When you target money directly in church, you won't get it. When you target souls and you get the souls, then the money will do what will come. Because the gold is in the mouth. Of the fish, so we will start with this one. But I understand what you said. If if some calculations can be made, by the same people who come and say, "Now you are taking too much," so you, let's go with this for now and see how it goes and see if it reduces the number of programs that we have. Yes.
0: Apostle. Yes. My challenge has to do with uh, the purpose for. The fundraising. Who's determining the purpose for the fundraising? Now, if we also do the fundraising and I have uh, challenges as a member with what we've agreed or what we've been told we are going to use the money for, who am I questioning? And basically, how do I, how do we as members or leaders of the church ensure that what we said we are going to use the money for is actually being done? And if it's not being done, who do I talk to? Now, in my local, if I look around and I'm not able to find somebody, who is the next level of person I should go to? Thank
1: you. I think it's the presbytery that decides the purpose for the appeal. If the presbytery says that we should buy a new set of instruments, it's their decision, but they must make sure the church agrees. So when they come and they are telling you, they should, have, they should find a way of getting feedback. Because if the church does not like it, there is no way you will get what you want. If it's for a new mission house, it's for a new car for the pastor, whatever it is, it's for a new church building, make sure the heart of the people are with you. So it's a presbytery decision that must come to the membership. And it should be okay with the membership. If it is not, and it's, it's not that it's the majority of the members who don't like it, but you as an individual, there isn't much you can do But you can talk to either the pastor or the presiding elder and give your reason. But where the majority are okay with it and you are a lone voice, it's not likely to work. But if you can convince your presiding elder or pastor that most of the people don't like it and so they are not going to give, he might change his purpose if he believes what you're saying is true. Now, after the appeal, they must make the church aware of how much came. Hello. Hello. That's one thing I don't see a lot of times. It should be mentioned that this is how much we got. It helps. Sometimes someone might maybe you say we got 10,000 and one particular person knows that he put in 8,000. So he begins to question. He knows some other people who also gave. So when you mention It's the first point of accountability. Those who don't trust will come and ask questions. And sometimes it's true. Someone took some of the money even before it was counted. Some people, they have eyes for fat envelopes. (laughs) But if you will steal, and you are stealing God's money, and you are stealing in church, you are a wonderful person. If they don't use the money for the purpose they said they were going to use it and you complain and they don't mind you, if it's the local and it's a presiding elder, you can talk to the district pastor. If it has to do do with the district pastor, you can talk to the area apostle. If it has to do with the area apostle, you can talk to the general secretary. If it has to do with the general secretary, you can talk to the vice president. If it has to do with the vice president, you can talk to the president. If you has to do with the president, talk to God. <laughs> no, 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 you can even talk to counsel, but if, if I say counsel, who are you going to talk to? So, still, talk to God. Yes.
4: Thank you, Apostle. My name is Richard Infojo. I happened to attend a seminar some time ago where the resource person who was a pastor made mention that um, in giving out honorarium after appeal for funds, that is for the pastor, especially the person who did the appeal for funds, we have to factor in the amount the pastor himself gave. So if we're expecting probably 2,000, and then the pastor gave 200 cities. The people who are supposed to prepare the honorarium shouldn't bring in something less than 200 cities. That's the amount he gave. And that statement, in fact, brought a whole lot of confusion, contention, and uh, for me, I also struggle to um, agree with it, because there have been situations where we're raising funds and even we couldn't meet the target. Are we supposed to still take part of the money, and in this case, more than what even the person who is doing the appeal for funds gave? Are we supposed to do that? Is that the right thing to do? Thank you.
1: It is is okay to give some honorarium to the ministers who come to work. We have crossed that bridge already. But using how much the person gave, to calculate how much to give to him is an error. We are all members. And you are giving out of your faith and love for the work of God. How come that should be a criteria? If that's the criteria, then I'll go and borrow. And come and make sure. And then you give my money back to me to take it to where I borrowed it from. <laughs> ah, no, Please. That system is not right. That system is not right. What we are giving to you has nothing to do with how much you contributed. We are appreciating the work
3: you did. Okay, My question has got to do with um, locals that are over 40 years and still struggling to have place of worship. Um, Please, may I know if the national can build for that local and put somebody there to I mean, pay that cost within their time. Because some places might be
1: developing areas. Thank you. Now, why did you use 40 years? <laughs> or oh, life begins at 40? <laughs> now, which, 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 which area are you from? Where? Okay, I'm a sermon. then it's clear that when we came for the shift in your area, you were not there, because we addressed this issue. Um, it's, it's, when it comes to church buildings and mission houses, we should all endeavor to put our money into it and build it, the kind of blessings that comes from contributing to a church building and contributing to a place where a pastor will live in. It's so huge. Don't let anyone take that blessing away from you. If you can build it alone, do it. Do you get me? If you are in this church and you've been prospered by God and you can put up a church building alone, do it. As I stand here, I know God will give me grace to put up church buildings alone before He calls me to glory. It's it's it's, it's one thing I want to do. It's a huge blessing. So don't sit there and look up to national, national, national. No. But we've realized that there are some deprived areas. If you give them even 100 years, they cannot put up a building. For those deprived areas, national is coming out with a model church building that national will put up in those areas. That's why I said you missed this. Because this has been said everywhere that we've been to with a shift agenda. So it will be done. But not for places where they have what it takes but they are not able to do it. No. Uh, also my, my question is on the
3: disclosure and non-disclosure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were advising that we should strike a balance. But you didn't give us how to strike the balance. Those who don't want
1: to be known and those who want to be known. How do we strike the balance? Okay. It, it, it depends on how you do it. Um, one, as you pray, okay, if, I remember one time a convention kind of fundraising, what was on my heart was that there are some people here that God has empowered you, okay, to be the financiers of this convention. I pull you out. And out of those people, I'll know who wants it mentioned and who does, not because there are not many. But the mass effect I raise, okay, that one, everyone is bringing it, it is non disclosure. But you can still make a statement that if God has placed a particular thing on your heart and you he want to give it, bring it to me. That person you can ask, do you want it disclosed or, or not? But those give, giving mass, you should be blind. Okay. I've been signaled,
0: this will be the last one, then I'll talk about
2: yes. uh, My name is Alfred. Okay.
0: Um, I'm having some challenge with respect to some administrative courses in our locals. At times, um, if without raising funds, realize that we are paying instrumentalists, utility bills, visitation, and other stuff. And you could realize that it's eating into the local, what you really suggest we do because of those administrative courses.
1: costs. You, you haven't raised funds, but you are paying And the so my,
0: my question is, yes. um, because of, of the administrative costs, hmm. we have to be raising funds regularly in order to mitigate that cost.
1: Oh, OK, OK, OK. So you are doing fundraising a lot of times for recurrent expenditure. Hey. Then that church will be an appeal for fans church. Please don't live above your means. Okay, don't live above your means. Don't struggle to be where you are not. Have faith for what God is going to do, but get there before you spend. You know, some people they borrow. Even for their weddings. With the hope that they will receive gifts during the wedding. I know one particular couple. The first night they were fighting. Because the man had borrowed a lot of money. Please. Let God bring the money before you spend it. So. If you are in a church and you don't have money. To pay instrumentalists train those who can play without being paid. Are you here? We're with me. Start from your level and as God prospers you, then you know what to do. You know, there are some instrumentalists who will not ask for any money. True or false? Yes. And I don't want anyone to fight with me so I won't get deep into these waters. But no local should live above it means deal with what you can comfortably raise because if you are doing appeal for funds for recurrent expenditure always that is trouble that is trouble because your your normal offerings okay and things should be able to cover recurrent expenditure so that when you go for huge appeals it should be for major things okay let me now talk about the nehema project in just the next um, ten minutes or so and I'll end this. When we talk about the Nehemiah project, we are talking about the project to build a new headquarters for the apostolic church. If you are here, I believe you've seen our head office before. And you know that it's someone's big house with someone's small house attached to it. That's what we call our headquarters. um, Simple description is that the place is not fit for purpose. It's not fit for the kind of business we do there. There's no space to do anything. To the extent that we cannot even host GPCC NEC meetings, though we are a founding member. There are only four founding members of GPCC, and they are national executive meetings. They take it around the churches. We have sister churches that we are going there always. We are going to even charismatic churches, nice conference rooms. You go, the protocol, it gives you respect for those churches. We are founding member. We can't bring one to our place. Which room are you taking them to? Conference room. It's a huge disgrace. We have departments we don't have space for. We're saying that we are creating a women's secretariat. That is in the air. There's no space on the ground. So we have outgrown. 74. We have outgrown that room. and I'm even told that that building is even for Kaneshi. And head office annexed it. Which means, and now it's becoming a it disgrace. But God is shifting us from that. I went to one of our sister churches, I visited them there, and I went to the office of the general secretary. if you compare their general secretary's office, when you enter, no one will even tell you, you, you can see that this is the engine room of the church. But when you come to our general secretary's office, there's no engine there even before the room. God is shifting us, praise God. I said God is shifting us. And especially during the Witness Convention, God dropped certain things in my heart and I believe it. That the financial situation of this church is changing. Amen. That he's going to raise millionaires in this church. And that's why I've told you that the new head office we're building is, 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 is a symbolic monument For the prophetic blessing God has uttered over this church. And that's also why I've told you that not a penny from tithe will go into this project. No. Tithe will be used in paying pastors. We are going to build this out of our free will offerings. And we've also given ourselves a target that let's finish building this building in three years. How many years? Three years. And yet, we don't even have land. But we choose to live by faith and not by sight. Praise God. And who are those going to build it? Us. We've named it the Nehemiah Project because our model of building this is just like they built the walls of Jerusalem during Nehemiah's time. One is that when we start, we won't stop till we finish. Praise God. And that's how they built the wall; They were working on it. Number two is that we will, the individuals who contribute must be documented. That's what they did with the Nehemiah project. They wrote the names of all the contributors. We are also going to keep record of all the contributors and have a room in that head office a room for memories. The name that comes to me, I mean, easily, is the Cornelius room. Because he says, your prayers and your arms are standing before me as a memorial. That's how I see this project. So all the names will be kept and what everyone did will be written so that for generations to come, just like you can take the Bible open to Nehemiah and read those names when you get into that office, you must see those names. So if Christ dies, some of you looking at me now, your grandchildren will come and go and open, look for your name. I pray they find it. (laughs) The challenge is that for the three years, we want contributions coming from you every single month. And one challenge I'm asking God for, is that this church is a big church. He should give me at least a thousand people who will give me a thousand Ghana every month for three years. That's 36 months. And some of you, as soon as I said it, you know you are part of the number. Because you have what it takes. And we have started already. We started last month. Some have paid. Some have even paid their amount for one year. Yes, some have paid for one year already. So what we need is that it should come. Those who can give a thousand every month, more than a thousand. Some people can give maybe five hundred. Someone two hundred. Someone one hundred. Someone fifty. Someone twenty. Someone ten. What, the level to which God has blessed you. What I'm asking for is consistency. When you start giving, continue. Not I give today, I miss tomorrow. No. Consistency. And I believe in three years, God will do it. Praise God. And we said that we don't want to collect this money and bring it up along the levels. That we collect it from the local, and then they take it to the district, and the district takes it to the area, and the area brings it to national. I understand the voltage drops at each level. So I believe that most people will pay through the mobile money system. We've written at least two circulars to you. We've stated how you can get that done. You just push it, it comes. Some, you can do it through the bank. We have two banks we are using so that everywhere you go, you can process it. And also we have a mobile app. All these are in the recent circulars that were released. If you are a true apostolic, make sure you are part of this project. Praise God. Make sure you are part of this project. Don't only give to it, but pray for it as well. So that it's not only you giving, but your prayer is touching others to give. Your prayer is touching the workers who are working because the work of the Lord must be done with haste. How many years? Three years. And whether you start now or you start after one year, wherever you start, you are giving for three years. It is so true. It is so true.